But I'm, I'm here to tell you today that, that Easter, uh, Easter wasn't the arrival point, okay? Easter wasn't kind of, well, the story's over and, and now, you know, the play the song and move on. E- Easter wasn't the, the arrival point, it was the launching pad. It's the starting place. And so we see that in Jesus's life over the next 40 days after the resurrection that he spent a lot of time going from place to place and, and showing himself to many people. And I believe one of his main reasons for doing that today was to dispel and to destroy doubt. So today we're going to doubt our doubt. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul's writing and he says this, he says about the resurrection and after the resurrection of Jesus, he says that after that, he was seen by over 500 people at one time, of whom a greater part of them remain to the present. Paul's writing some uh, 20, 30 years after Jesus was resurrected and he said 500 people who most of them are still alive. He said some of them have already gone to sleep, but some people could tell you today that they saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. He said some have fallen to sleep and after that, also James, Jesus' brother, who wasn't one of the disciples, but Jesus went and showed himself to James, and James became a, lead, he became a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, a disciple. He became uh, the leader of the early, uh, the early church. And then he says, and then he was seen by all of the apostles, all of the apostles, all of his followers saw him, and last of all, he was seen also by me as one born out of time. And so what Paul's saying there, he says, two to three years later, I'm on a road to Damascus persecuting the church, and Jesus showed up and showed himself to me. He showed himself to me. You know, one account we have of the resurrection appearance of Jesus we find in John chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your uh, iPhones, iPads, wherever you read the scripture, then you might want to go ahead and turn there. It says this in John chapter 20, it said, then the same day at evening. Okay, so early in this, early that uh, resurrection morning, they, <coughs> excuse me, they show up at the tomb and Jesus is not there later in the day. It says this, it says, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Now, I hope that we can put ourselves just a little bit into their place, a little bit into kind of their mindset. They'd been following Jesus, they'd been walking with Jesus, they'd been living with Jesus. Now, Jesus is arrested, he's crucified, he's beaten, he's crucified, he's placed in a tomb. They go to the tomb and now he's not there. I'm sure that there was a little bit of confusion, a little bit of doubt about what in the world is going on. What are the Jews going to do to us now? They persecuted and killed Jesus. What are they going to do to us? And in the midst of that situation, the scripture goes on and says, Jesus came and he stood in the midst. And he said to them, peace, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. How many people know that'd make you glad, right? (laughs) To see Jesus resurrected. And so Jesus again said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Man, I think this is a wonderful thing. Jesus shows up to dispel their doubts. He shows up to bring them peace, to eradicate all of their fears. And then he 
breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, if, the, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. You know what Jesus is really saying? He's saying, I'm coming to you and I'm giving you a gift today. I'm giving you the gift of the assurance that I am alive and I'm giving you my presence and I'm giving you my power to go out and to accomplish my purposes in this world. But somebody at this uh, amazing event, somebody was missing. The scripture in verse 24 says, now Thomas called the, what would we call Thomas today? We'd call him Doubting Thomas, okay? But before he was doubting Thomas, it says, now Thomas called the twin, the word was Didymus there, he was, uh, that was his name, that's what he went by, they just called him twin. He said, one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. Now, I don't know exactly why he wasn't there. He might've uh, been sleeping in, he might've been hiding someplace. I, I'm not, we're not really sure. But it says the other disciples, when Thomas showed up, the other disciples came to him and they said, we have seen the Lord. How do you know? They were probably excited about it. They were talking about, this is unbelievable. It was miraculous. We were scared. We were worried. We were fearful. We didn't know what was going to take place. We were filled with doubt, but Jesus showed up. And you'd think, oh man, Thomas would immediately just, oh, that's incredible. Let's go. But that wasn't exactly Thomas's response, was it? Listen to what he says. says the other disciples, when they had said, we've seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the prints of his nails and put my finger into the print of those nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. So anybody here that you can relate to Thomas? Anybody think, man, there's times when I've really struggled with some doubts. There's times when I have just haven't understood the situations of my life. There's times when I, I, I just don't know what to do, which direction to turn, which way to go. Maybe we've lived in situations where we've been told some stuff. Anybody ever been some, told some stuff and at first you believe and then after you believe a few times, then you go, well, I'm not gonna believe that anymore. <laughs> I've heard that story. Maybe we've been made some promises and somebody's promised and they're gonna, this time they're gonna show up. This time it's gonna work out. This time I'm not gonna fail you. And we all come to this place and we can get to this place where we, we develop this attitude that says, you know what? If I don't see it, I'm not going to believe it. Anybody ever been there? Man, I sure have. I've been there lots and lots and lots of times. And, and sometimes it's not just about doubting people, is it? It really does. A lot of times it comes to the place of where, where we doubt God, where, where we feel like that maybe certain things should have gone certain ways and there should have been certain you know, responses and, and, and it, it just should have been a little different. And so we begin to doubt God and we begin to, we, I, I mean, I think in our hearts, we know that God can do it, but the question comes in my heart is, will he do it? Will he do it for me? Will he do it in time? Will he do it when I, I think that I need it? So we can be much like Thomas. And, but you know, I think in, in some ways, Thomas really does get a bad rap. I mean, let me just ask you to think back over the course of your life and how many people would like to have your whole life summed up by one statement you made during a difficult time in your life? <laughs> I'm thinking, ooh, man, <laughs> there's a lot of things that would go before saying, right? So, man, 
I don't know, maybe, maybe he uh, earned his reputation, maybe he um, deserved it. If you look back, the few things that we know about Thomas, it seems like that he really did live a little bit on the doubting, the, the questioning side of life. He was, he was kind of a negative, um, and I know people who, uh, if you've ever been accused of this, you go, I'm not negative, I'm a realist, right? Don't raise your hand if you're a realist here, okay? So I've, I've heard people say, well, that just sounds, no, it's not negative, it's real. Well, for the rest of us, we just think it's real negative. Um, so, uh, but, but Thomas could have been one of those people, you know, he was kind of always in the, the Eeyore state of life. Does everybody know who Eeyore is? Do you, have you ever watched, you know, Winnie the Pooh and, and there's this, this donkey and things are bad, but they're gonna get worse, right? And it's a bad day and, and it's a cloudy day and I'm sure it's gonna rain. And so he's always mumbling, he's always grumbling, he's always griping, he's always complaining. And that seems to be what Thomas is a little bit like. If we, uh, the couple of statements that we know about Thomas, the first one comes from John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus, okay? So we know the story of Lazarus, Jesus' friend, and, and Lazarus is sick, and they call for him, and Jesus goes, ah, I can't make it right now. Probably disappointed. There were probably some people that wondered and doubted if Jesus really loved them. And then Jesus is talking to his disciples a little later, and he says to them plainly in John chapter 11, verse 14, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes. Wait a minute, that doesn't sound like the Jesus I know. He's glad that Lazarus is dead? Well, he knows the rest of the story, but what he is glad about is says that I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Can, can I tell you, Jesus is concerned about you being able to believe. Jesus is always working to, to develop a belief, a confidence, a faith in our lives so that we can live and be everything that he wants us to be. He goes on, nevertheless, let's go to him. Now remember, they were, they were going back to Bethany, back to the area near Jerusalem where they had been threatened, where they had been tried to be arrested, where their lives, they were gonna be killed. And so in, in light of that, Thomas then speaks up in verse 16 and he says, then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us, all go, let, us, uh, let us also go with him that we may die. Okay, now some historians say, oh, that's a remarkable statement of faith. Well, I hope it was a statement of faith, but I tend to agree with another commentator who says it's likely that Thomas was expressing pessimism about the fate of going back into the region where he was threatened to die. I think really, I'm not so sure how much uh, Thomas was really concerned about Jesus. I think Thomas was concerned about Thomas, you know? <laughs> What's gonna happen if we go back there? It's gonna be painful, it's gonna hurt. Well, Another time, Jesus is trying to encourage his disciples and to prepare his disciples for what was going to take place, for his suffering, for his death, for his burial, and for his resurrection. And so he's, he's telling them, listen, get the picture of what's going on. He's saying, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Many people are glad Jesus is preparing a place for us, right? So uh, yeah, some people he's building a mansion, some people he's preparing a place. But um, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will also come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Can I just put in a little tidbit here that says that, that where Jesus is, he wants, to be, he wants to be with you. 
He wants to be connected. He wants to be close to us. He says, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. What Jesus is saying, by now, out of all the things that I've taught you, all the things that I've shared with you, all the things I've said to you, you understand what's happening. And then Thomas speaks up. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and, and how can we know the way? Can you hear him saying it? What are you talking about, Lord? We don't know where you're going. Man, we don't, we don't, know, we don't even know the way to go. What is up with all this? <laughs> Doubting, grumbling. You know, maybe Thomas did have this bent towards doubt. But uh, even if he did, even if he had that, that realistic <laughs> grace or gift there, let's not be too hard on him today because the truth is everybody deals with doubt. Every single person has dealt with doubts at one place or another. It amazed me as I was studying and preparing for this time that even the disciples, even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the disciples who at that time should have had no doubt, they dealt with some huge doubt. After he had walked through doors, after he had ate with them, after they had touched his body, listen to how Luke chapter 24 says it. It says, now as they said these things, Jesus stood in the midst of them and he said to them, peace be to you, peace be to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? Why? How many people have ever asked that question? Why? Where do these doubts come from? Why does this rise up? He says, once again, behold, take hold of my hands and my feet. Feel my, feel my body. See for yourself. He said, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still not, did not believe for joy, they just marveled. They, they couldn't grasp it. They couldn't wrap their heads or their hearts around what was going on. Another place in Matthew chapter 28, it says, and, and this is when Jesus is leaving. He's been on the earth for 40 days after the resurrection and he's leaving and now he's gonna go to heaven. And it says this, it says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Does that sound like some of us today? Maybe there were some of us that we worshiped the resurrected living King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We worshiped in the power of the spirit. But at the same time, there's still some places in our heart where maybe there's just some doubts, some things that we're, we're struggling with and grasping with. See, every single person is confronted with and deals with doubt. So if you have any doubts, if there's an area of your life where you're doubting today, and I, I could just begin to, to list them. Does God love me? Does God care? Does God have a plan for my life? Will God really honor his promises? When's it gonna, God, is it gonna happen? There's, there's just these, we could go on and on. Let me tell you, if you're in a place of doubt today, man, you're in good company, <laughs> You're in good company because probably the person sitting beside you and around you and in front of you, they've all dealt with doubt. So I want to mention today uh, three things that we need to know about doubt. Ready? Three quick things we need to know about doubt. And this first one, I can't emphasize enough how important this is. The first thing is this. There is a difference between doubt and unbelief. Okay? There's a huge difference between doubting and being an unbeliever. You see, just because you're struggling with doubts does not mean that you don't have faith. 
I loved what he said in, the, in, in that little video. Man, a mustard seed only needs a little bit of faith to see God do the miraculous and see God do miraculous things in our lives. So just, just because we, we have some doubts doesn't mean we don't have faith. And, and, and again, I personally believe that doubt is evidence of growth, okay? Now, some people say, well, wait a minute, I don't get that. No, I think if you're doubting, then it means that you have a desire to believe. It's not like you've drawn your heels, you know, the line in the sand said, I'm never gonna believe. Henry Drummond, an old Scottish revivalist and preacher, he said this, he said, doubt can't believe, unbelief won't believe. He said, doubt is honest, but unbelief is obstinate, it's rebellious, it's already hardened its heart. He says, doubt is looking for light, while unbelief is content to stay in the darkness. And I think there's a difference. We've got to get this. Uh, the people that I talk to, generally when I'm talking to somebody and they're expressing some doubt, man, very few times do I find people who've just said, I don't care what the, what the truth is. I don't care what God says. I don't care. I'm just not going to believe. What I find is people that say, I, I just don't understand. I, I, my, my, I, I need a little bit to know a little bit more. I just need some help. And in every time, right, when we are in that situation, I believe God will answer. You see, unbelief won't even try, but doubt is looking for a way to believe. Doubt is a sign that we still have hope. It's a sign that we still have faith, okay? So number two, the second thing we need to, uh, to know is that Jesus was always gracious to doubters. Jesus was, was always kind to people who in doubt. I mean, think about the stories that you know in the Bible. Think about, about Peter out there in the boat and the waves are crashing all around him and Jesus comes walking on the water and Peter doubted, who is that? Maybe it's a ghost. And he, and he says, Jesus, if it's really if, if it's really you, call me to come. And he comes and he walks on the water and even when he sinks, he loses his focus. He doubts a little bit. Even when he sinks, Jesus reaches out to him and lifts him up. Jesus is kind. He's gracious to doubters. Time and time again, we see this in the scripture. We see it with his disciples, okay? Why are you doubting? And, and he doesn't rebuke them, and he doesn't beat them, and doesn't throw them out and get some new disciples. No, he's gracious to them. One of the stories I read this week was the story of the, of the father whose son was demonized and, 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 and the demons would just torture him and, and sometimes they would try to throw him into the ground and into the rocks and even try to get him to be thrown into the fire. And, and when he goes to Jesus, he says, Jesus, I want to believe, but help, my help me. I've got some doubts. And Jesus said, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to meet you where you're at. And he heals his son. He, he demands that the demons go. And the son is healed and he's restored. Does anybody think it's good news that Jesus loves doubters? Man, I'm, I'm glad Jesus loves doubters. It lets, him know, lets me know that he loves me, right? So the, the third, uh, a third thing is that doubt isn't sin, it only, because, uh, it only becomes sin when it causes us to walk in disobedience. Now, now, we need to know this. Doubt, okay? Doubt is not sin. Sometimes I think the enemy comes in and goes, well, what kind of Christian are you? You've had some doubt in your life. You, you, you don't believe the Lord. You're, you're not walking in obedience in every area. And, 
And we just think, oh, it's a sin to doubt. Can I tell you, it's not a sin to doubt, okay? Only when it causes us to walk in disobedience. I believe that doubt is an opportunity to walk in faith. You know, how many people, we all want to be courageous, right? Everybody want to be filled with courage. We, we all want to be overcomers, right? Well, how many people know that to be courageous and overcome something, you have to have something to overcome, so, so we want to be people of faith. Well, well, where do we use our faith if we don't have to? If we don't ever have any doubts, we don't have to use our faith. Doubt is an opportunity to operate in to operate in faith. In doubt, we say, "Look, I may have some doubts, but even in the midst of the doubts, even in the midst of the questions, I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other." I'm going to trust God and I'm going to keep on walking it out. I'm going to keep on doing what the word of God says. I'm going to keep on, even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't understand it, even when I don't see the results of it, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to walk forward in the midst of my doubts. I put it like this in my notes. Without the mystery of doubt, we will never grow in the practice of our faith. How many people know that faith is an ongoing practice? It's an ongoing experience. It's something that will never outgrow. We never become so full of faith that we don't have things to overcome and things to opt for our faith to operate in. So we've got to make a decision. We've got to determine that doubt is not going to control my life. I may, I may deal with doubt, but I don't have to cave into it, right? So, so I think we've got to get this in our spirit, guys. I want people to catch the impartation of this today. Because I believe that there have been people that are being beat up because you've got some doubts and some weak places and some weak points. And I'm telling you today that you, you, may, you may have doubt in your life about something. You, you may struggle with an issue, but I'm telling you today by the, by the word of the Lord today that you don't have to give in to doubt. You don't have to yield to doubt. Doubt doesn't get to run your life. It's maybe where I am, but it's not where I'm gonna stay. It's not where I'm gonna live. So I'm telling you that I... I have one suggestion that I would, would give us all in this area is we need to put some, you know, the Bible says this, it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, on your anger. So, sometimes we just need to give some things a time limit in our lives. My anger, you get till sundown and then, then I'm doing away with it and then we're gonna have a, a good night in our home and we're gonna talk whether we feel like it or not and we're gonna love whether we want to or not. And the same thing with doubt. It only gets a time frame, okay? Maybe you have to take a few minutes and process through some things and try to figure it out. But at some point in time, when we still are wrapped up in this confusion, we go, I don't understand it, but I'm gonna trust God. I don't understand what it's saying. Maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a, few, a month, whatever it is. But there comes a point in our time where we say, doubt does not get to control my life anymore. For Thomas... It was eight days, eight days. John chapter 20 puts it like this. It says, after eight days, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. And if, and if I was you, I would circle that in my Bible. Thomas was with them. You see, the problem is that so many times we have a little bit of doubt for a little bit of a time period and then we walk away. And then we abandon the person, we abandon the relationship, we abandon the church, we, we, we abandon God. I love this about Thomas, even though he's carrying these doubts, even though he's carrying this in his heart, he says, he is still with them. 
Can I tell you that when you're in the place of doubt, that's not the time to back out, it's the time to press in. And can I especially say this about church? When you're dealing with doubt, that doesn't make you weak, it makes you human, and you're welcome to come and to be a part of the church. You're welcome to come and to, and, and to say, listen, I'm not where I wanna be, I'm not where I think I should be, I've got some doubts, I don't know how it's all gonna work out, but let the body of Christ just wrap itself, the love of God around you, and look what happens when Thomas does this. It says, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst and he said, peace to you. Okay, maybe he was talking to everybody. I think he was looking at Thomas because the next words that he says is, it says that he said to Thomas, Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here in my side and touch my side. And, and do not be unbelieving. Don't be doubting, but believe. Thomas, believe. I, I, I've got to tell you, this scripture blows my mind that Jesus loved Thomas so much that he did whatever it took to chase him down, to come to where he was, to help dissolve and dispel and eradicate doubt from his life. And can I tell you today that Jesus loves you just as much as he does Thomas? Jesus wants to, he wants to meet that need in your life. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You know, we can read those as just words, but you know what they really are? They're expressions of, hey, Jesus, you're my Lord. I submit my life to you. I trust you. I believe in you. Doubt's gone. I know. And because I know, then I will worship my God. And Thomas becomes a worshiper. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. You have believed. I think we need to change his name from doubting Thomas to believing Thomas, don't you? He believes. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And Jesus, and listen to this, Jesus did many, many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these other things, all that he did, they're written that you may believe. Go ahead and turn to the person beside you and say, he's talking about you now. That you may believe, that you might believe, that, that you might believe. All these signs, all these things that he did, it's that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. What's he want for us? He wants life. He wants life. So if he wants us to have life and we're struggling with some doubts, what are some ways that we can resolve doubts in our lives? You ready? Last, last couple of things here. The first thing we can do is turn our doubts to God. We, we make a choice. You know, one of, one of the words in the scripture uh, for the word doubt, in the, it's distazo in the Greek, and, and, and what it means is, is two ways, okay? This Greek word, it means two ways. And so basically, I'm standing here and I've got to go out to the foyer, but I, and I've got two ways that I can go. I, I can go down this aisle or I can go down this aisle and, and the Lord says, go down this aisle, right? Because Roger's over here on this side. So that's, you know, we're gonna go down this aisle, right? That's the, that's the anointed aisle. And this is my way. And so we've got a choice, and what doubt is, it's when we're, we're standing in a place of indecision between my way and God's way. When we're standing in a place of saying, I'm going to trust my understanding or my feelings or my emotion rather than what God says to do. 
right? And so the first thing we do is says, wait a minute, I'm gonna turn to God. I'm gonna put my trust in God. I'm gonna go your way, God. I'm gonna do what you say. I'm gonna walk in the way that you say. I'm gonna choose. How many people think it's good to choose to go with God, amen? I think going with God is always the right choice. Now, now keep in mind, our doubts don't freak God out. God can handle your doubts. God can handle my doubts. And as we said, God loves sincere doubters. He's not put off by it. He's not offended by it. He's not upset with you. He's not ticked off. He's not mad. He doesn't want to pinch your little head off. I mean, none of that kind of stuff. God loves doubters. God loves doubters. God knows that, that what can happen in our life can look like, it can look like that he doesn't care. I mean, God's not unaware of the circumstances and situations of our life, and, and God's not uncompassionate, and the Bible says that Jesus can be touched by our infirmities, and so the hurt, the hurt that you experience, look at me, folks, let me see your eyes this morning. The hurt that you experienced, it, it's real hurt, it's real pain, it's real difficulty, and God knows that you didn't get exactly what you wanted and what you needed when you think you needed it. God understands that it can look like he doesn't care. The doctor report comes back, and it's scary. I mean, it really scares us, it shakes us. It, 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 it disappoints us. It, it becomes disheartening to us, and especially when we've got situations where I thought I had just overcome that. And now the doctor's report comes back again and says, no, you got to go through it again. It, it, it can rock us. But can I tell you, that does, it doesn't rock God. God hasn't moved off his throne, and it doesn't bother God when we bring our doubts to him in those situations. God welcomes us to come to him. The marriage struggles are real. The emotions, man, they're just all over the place. They're, things are painful in the midst of the situation. And the truth is that in a lot of these situations, we just get worn out. Anybody ever just been exhausted? God, I don't know if I believe or don't believe. All I know is I want to take a nap, right? I just want to break. I just, I just need, I just need some rest. I just need some help. And can I tell you that in those situations, God cares. And I got a special word for teenagers today. All right, I felt the Lord um, wanted me to share this with you. Teenagers, I know that dealing with difficult, little understanding. Uh, I, I know how you know how stupid parents can be. All right, I mean, it's just it's amazing when you're when you're you know. 12 to 12 to 18, how dumb parents can be. But, but let me encourage you, don't give up in the, on them. Don't give up on them, okay? Because in about 10 years, you're gonna be amazed at how much they've learned and how much they've grown and how much they've matured. I mean, it'll be like a miracle, okay? So, so hang on there. Don't, don't give up on the parent. Don't give up on us parents and grandparents yet, all right? Um, keep praying for them, all right? You never know what God will do, Okay? One thing we're definitely not going to do is we're not going to let the devil interpret our situation. You see, that's what he wants to do. He wants to step into the midst of our doubts and say, here's what's really going on. God doesn't care. God doesn't even know your name. 
If God really cared, he would have already showed up. He would have already provided. He would have already brought the money. He would have already taken care of the bills. He would have already healed your body. He would have already brought that child into the place they need to be with God. He would have already done it. And the devil wants to interpret. And you know what we get to say today, whether we're in a place of doubt or not, we're saying, we don't listen to the devil. We're going to turn to the word of God. We're going to listen to the word of God. So we're going to go to God, we're going to ask him to help us, to clarify, to give us what we need to move us to a place of faith. Thomas said what he needed. He said, I I need to see, I need to experience it. Let me ask you a question. What is it that you need today? What is it you need to take that next step of faith to move beyond the doubt that's trying to limit your life? What do you need? Can I tell you, be bold enough to go to God and to ask him, don't suppress it, and God forbid that we ever come to a place of where we just starting to pre- pre- we just pretend, right? How things in your life? Oh, they're just great. I'm really good. God bless you and you and you and you, right? And we'll just pretend and we'll we'll fake it till we make it. And I hate that statement, <laughs> right? Because that's not what God wants. We don't have to fake anything. The truth is, we're not kidding God. The only person we're kidding is ourselves. So don't fake it, okay? Go to God, make up our mind. I'm gonna turn to God. I'm not gonna turn to anything else. I'm not gonna turn to to drugs or to alcohol or to people or to sex or to social media or to work or to business or I'm I'm just not gonna hide anywhere or even getting religious. I'm gonna go to God. I'm gonna believe that no matter what it feels like, what it looks like, I'm gonna believe that God is present and that he's gonna work something out. Number two, ready? Here we go, wrapping up right now. Trust God's word. We're gonna trust God's word to resolve and to dissolve and just to dispel doubt in my life. And I really want us to hear this today, folks. Okay, we're gonna trust God. You see, Thomas's real problem, as we look at it, wasn't that he didn't believe the disciples' report It was that he didn't believe Jesus. I mean, catch this. Jesus had already told the disciples time and time and time and time again, I'm I'm, I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna be buried, I'm gonna be resurrected. And so when the disciples come and tell him what Jesus has done, he's still not believing that Jesus did what he said he was gonna do. His problem was that he didn't believe Jesus. You see, God's word... Jesus, having already spoken on the issue, should have resolved the doubt. And can I say the same thing's true for you and me? If God has spoken, then that should take care of the doubt issue. Amen? God said it. We believe it. We choose to believe it. We're going to receive it. We're going to see it happen. So today, we get to start by going to the Bible, right? We've got his word that we can go to. This word, amazing word. Y'all read the Bible? Does anybody read the Bible? (laughs) We get to go to the Bible. We get to go back to what he said. But not just reading the Bible. The the, the Bible's wonderful, but can I tell you, there's times in my life when there's a specific place of doubt that I have to go back to to a promise God's made or a prophetic word that God's given or or, or something that God's... Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, when there, there, there have been times, there was a time when, when, when for, for a, a child, you know, we're saying, wait a minute, God, this, what I see doesn't line up with what you've said. 
Has anybody ever been that in situation in life? God, God, you said that they would walk in righteousness, that they would be walk in the spirit, that they would be people of faith, but, but God, I don't see that. And God said, well, what are you going to believe, what you see or what I said? My question to you today is, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what you see or what he has said about financial provision? Let me ask you this. Can God not care about you? I've had people say that to me, even recently. God just doesn't care. Well, that's an impossibility. God is the very definition of care. And I'm telling you today that God cares about your situation and your circumstance and your issue and your financial need. God cares about it, and God cares about your health. And God, listen, will God hear you when you pray? Will he, I'm asking, will God hear you when you pray? If, if we don't believe that God will hear us when we pray, then you know what? We're just not going to pray. And sometimes I think we are practical atheists by the fact that we say certain things, but we live a different way. How, how many times do we go, oh man, I've got this situation, but, but we never pray about it. We never take it to the Lord. We, why? Because we're not doubting our prayers. We're doubting God's goodness. And God's looking for ways to demonstrate his his goodness in our lives. So ask him, ask him to show, show me in your word again, God. Show me in your word again where you said, if you will ask, I will answer. If you will call, I will hear. Show, show me again, God, in your word where it says that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Show me again where it says that Jesus came to destroy every work of the enemy every work of the devil. And if the devil's trying to mess with your life, it's not about you getting stronger. It's about you claiming and standing on the promises of Almighty God. Amen. So finally, number three, take a step of faith and see what happens. Just, just get out of where you're at. Take a step of faith and say, God, I'm going to believe you. So faith is not the absence of doubt. It is the overcoming of doubt. When doubt shows up, I'm telling you, I believe God wants to stretch you. He wants to give you an opportunity to step into a new place of faith. And it takes faith. It takes faith to step out of the boat or to step out of the issue that you're dealing with right now. It takes faith to obey in any area. Did you hear that word? Obey in any area. But God, no, no, no but God, okay? My kids used to say that. But dad, I say, don't call me but dad, okay? That's not... That's not who I am. That's not very nice, okay? But God, okay, let's trust him. Let's believe him. God, we're gonna trust you. So I want you to take that step today. We wanna give you that opportunity today to take a step of faith. And can I tell you that? You'll be glad that you did. The rest of the story is this. Thomas shared his doubt. He was open with his doubt. Jesus came, and, and, and think about this. Uh, the scripture said that the room that they were in, that it was shut up, the door wasn't open, and, and Jesus walked right through the door. He walked, can I tell you that Jesus is spirit enough to get to any place you are? There's no obstacle. There's no thing in the natural. There's heaven and earth cannot separate you from the love, from the manifest love of Jesus Christ for your life. And then he comes and he says, touch me, Thomas. And he's physical enough, he's real enough 
to be moved, to be touched by what touches your life. And so Thomas, man, this changed his life. As a matter of fact, we read in a a few scriptures later in, in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. Okay, now remember this. Thomas wasn't there when they, right, when they breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Now Thomas is in the upper room and the Holy Spirit's poured out and he receives the fullness and the baptism and the, and the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And do you know what happened after that? After that, after Thomas received power to be his witness even to the ends of the earth, the history tells us that Thomas began to be an evangelist and he began to tell people about Jesus and he began to travel and he went on a missionary journey. We don't have it as well documented as Paul's, but here's what we do know. That Thomas ended up in India and he goes to India and he begins to, to minister and to share the gospel and to win people to Jesus and to, listen to this, Thomas, who doubted the resurrection of the Lord, convinced people who'd never heard about Jesus that he was resurrected alive and powerful. So much so, so much so that after Thomas died, he was actually martyred, thrown into a pit and speared by an unbelieving tribe. But his ministry, excuse me, his work was so powerful that 1,500 years later, when people showed up on the shores of India, they found multiple churches. They, They found villages that were filled with the gospel that had spread from the ministry that God used Thomas for. Listen, can I'm telling you today, The plans and the purposes of God to use your life for great things are not diminished. They they don't get quenched. They don't get extinguished because there's a little bit of doubt in your life. Amen? We get to move beyond that doubt to see God work powerfully, powerfully in our lives. I thank you for doing that today, Jesus.